And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Totally Football League show, Thursday edition. Bad luck for QPR as Black Cats cross their path. Is this the weekend Bristol City finally get some home comfort? How about some home truths for Joey Barton? Joey, you're an idiot. Plus, we get low with Plymouth's high-flying boss. This is the Totally Football League show, in association with Paddy Power. Hello, listeners. It's nearly the weekend. Uh, joining me, Matt, to talk all things EFL are the former Orient coach, Ross Embleton. Hi, Ross. Hello, Matt. Thanks for having me on again. It is our pleasure. And it says here, a fan of Oriental cooking, Adrian Clark. Uh, <laughs> is that true? It is, actually. It, yeah, I'm, I'm probably at my best when, when cooking up some Asian-infused meals. Um, always, though, with a recipe. I have zero flair. I just have to follow instructions. And then I'm fine. It's a nice analogy for your career, some would say. But um, <laughs> we'll move on quickly from <laughs> Um, shortly we'll have a chat with the Plymouth boss Ryan Lowe we'll also look ahead to some of the weekend's big games but first let's talk about some things that have been going on since last we spoke so Sunderland of League One eliminated championship QPR on penalties in West London thanks in no small part to the worst refereeing decision of the season Mark Warburton said it's quite staggering how clearly onside Charlie is the fourth told me immediately it was offside from my point of view I couldn't really argue against that but when you see it back well my word. Um, Adrian, we've spoken about how terrible that the ref was at Forest at the weekend. He was a late replacement, so maybe a bit of an excuse there. But do you have concerns about the standard of officiating in the FL this uh, season or are these isolated incidents? I think I've had concerns over the standard of officiating for, for quite a few years, really. I, I think the standard is questionable. I, I, I think that more could be done in terms of training up um, former players. But, but I, I do understand that 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 is in progress now. They are looking to put a programme together whereby players that didn't quite make the grade will, will will retrain to be officials if that's the the route they want to go down and they'll be fast-tracked. I, I, think, I think it's been a bit of a closed shop and I think that the standards have been mediocre for, for a long, long time. Look, but anyone can make mistakes. You know, I've missed open goals. You know, you, you go to control a ball, it goes under your foot. It, it's the refereeing equivalent of that, isn't it? It's, it's a bad call. We didn't mean to do it. Um, my issue, I suppose, is that we can find out these things very quickly these days um, on monitors, on the sides of pitches. And it just, yeah, it just brings back that question, doesn't it? I, I was at um, Emirates Stadium for the Arsenal game, Arsenal-Leeds, and, um, you know, VAR, I think, was in use. So it certainly had the, the, the goal line technology. Um and it obviously made a difference with the goal that Callum Chambers scored. It just, just, just think it gets to the latter stages of a cup competition. Could we not? Could we not? You know, bring in some kind of technology um, because that goal, you know, shouldn't have been disallowed. And ultimately, QPR would have been in the last eight. Big money spinning quarter final, uh, and they find themselves out. Harsh. 
Yeah, they didn't have VAR in uh, in that time. They bring it in a bit later in the League Cup. They do have goal line technology. It's it's weird, the, the rules of the League Cup, a bit baffling. Um, Ross, were you able to kind of do what Clarkie's saying there when you were a manager and, and just think, oh, well, referees make mistakes. Were you able to keep calm about that or were you always banging down the official's door if we got one wrong for, for Orient back in, uh, back in the time you were in charge? I was a banging down the door. Uh, oh, to be honest, letting them know before... We got to the door, if I'm brutally honest. <laughs> um, and and as, a, as a coach, probably something, at the, when certainly when I was managing, something I probably would have liked to have managed better, to be honest, because um, like, as you said there, it's not, um, they don't set out to deliberately do it. But I think when you have those massive, massive moments, Adrian mentioned about the foot going under, uh, the ball going under somebody's foot. This one was a ball going under somebody's foot standing on the goal line, wasn't it? It was, it was, um, it was crazy. So, um, of course, they don't. Well, you'd like to think that they don't set out to uh, to deliberately make these mistakes, but it can have such a massive impact. I was listening to Charlie Austin actually the next morning talking about the moments and what had happened. And when one of the real major frustrations that I think a lot of people find when something like this goes wrong is, yeah, you can accept one or two, but when you do approach officials, very rarely do you get any feedback. Very rarely do they give you any sort of honesty it's so guarded and then once they leave the stadium you never see them ever again or, or you do but the moment passes so there's never any anyone owning a poor decision it's all very much tell you what they need to tell you get out the way and then it all gets forgotten about and, and, and everybody moves on and, and as the coach as the manager as the player that is involved in such a major decision it's a lot harder for you to um, to let that go Charlie Austin actually come out with a point to say that he spoke to the linesman and he said it was definitely offside. And you think, why are you making such a ridiculous statement when everybody around knows? Be a bit more cautious and then maybe people may have some little bit more sympathy for you. You know, it's a tough one. Well, Sunderland's happy. They are now the only EFL representatives left in the competition. Good luck to them. The draw for the quarterfinals will be made on Saturday. Uh, There are a few manager stories knocking about. Uh, Keith Millen appointed at Carlisle, taking over from Chris Beach, most recently coaching in Sweden. Ross, is somebody who you know, is is this a decent appointment? I think so, in terms of looking at, you know, Keith, in terms of his experiences, you know, someone that's uh, committed a huge amount to coaching. He's had great experiences working under some good managers, in particular, certainly in this country, standouts are, his time at Crystal Palace. Uh, he's a very, very good guy. I know he has a background with Dave Holdsworth at, at, at Carlisle, but you know, that's, a lot of the time that's that's how football works, isn't it? Your your previous experiences. But one thing I can say about Keith is he's a very good man. Uh, he's very thorough in the way that he talks about his coaching. So I'm sure we'll go up to Carlisle, all the way up to Carlisle, because I know he lives or was based down here, and um, and give it everything he's got after his experience of of coaching and managing out in Sweden. Got to hit the ground running, Clarkie, hasn't he? He takes over a team, a place in the point above the relegation zone. There's not time for, for making friends and, and niceties. No, absolutely not. Uh, and I'm sure he will. Vastly experienced, isn't he? He's got great knowledge. Uh, the, only, the only reservation I'd have about, about the appointment is that he's been working overseas in Sweden um, and previously at MK, Dun, MK Dons, but you know, before that at higher levels. So it's just, I'm sure he's across everything, but it might take him a few weeks to get up to speed in terms of who he's coming up against that, you know, which, which players to watch, etc. It's just, he's got to adjust to the, to the new level quite quickly. But for me, even though Carlisle are weaker this season than they were last, because they, 
you know, couldn't keep hold of their top talents uh, and they didn't replace them with, with equal talents. Um, I still think they've got enough to be well clear of the relegation zone. I think, I think they'll be fine. Uh, now then, in a league stacked with big names, Plymouth Argyle have shown they can punch with the big hitters in League One. The Pilgrims haven't lost since the opening day of this season. They currently sit top of League One. Uh, next up, they face Ipswich Town. Who better to talk about the club's upward trajectory than the manager himself? Ryan Lowe joins us next. Uh, Ryan, thanks so much for joining us. What, what a turnaround it's been for you from, from last season. Were you in any way expecting to be leading League One at this stage? I mean, particularly given that it's a it's a division stacked with such big historical names with, with massive budgets this season. Yeah, I, I think, Matt, to be honest with you, I, I think when, when you are top of the league and you've had a good run of form and you've had some good results, it's always nice to be at the top of the pile as, as anyone wants to be. We, we're not getting too carried away. I'm a surprise that we're in the round. Not really, because we recruited better than we did the year before. It was no secret, hence why Adrian probably had us down for nowhere near. It was because we had to clear the decks. We had a lot of good lads, uh, honest lads. Ross will tell you working with good lads. Don't always get you where you want to get to. Um, and this year we had a, 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 a rebuild, really, of, of you know nine, ten players that we felt that could compete in the league. Now, yeah, look, anyone, if you asked anyone, they'd probably say now, especially with the big clubs and the big budgets, they wouldn't expect to be where they are. But we're there for a reason. We've been playing some good football. We've been playing some good counter-attacking football. Uh, we're defending. Resilience has been different class. So, look, we're there because we've been working hard to be there. At some point, you are going to come down, you know, uh, and drop down. But our aim is to stay anywhere in the top top half of the division. If we can stay in the top half of the division all season or in the rounds, it gives yourself a good chance for to compete towards the latter part of, of, of achieving something good. And maybe not expected to be where you are now, but but now that you're there, it must be a big benefit for for the club and for the squad that you've got experience of this personally. You know, you, you know what it's like to fight promo- for promotion right to the end of the season. Yeah, I think um, yeah. On that, we we just we just enjoy we we enjoy coming into work every single day. We enjoy being up there. You know, a lot of people are saying, "Oh, they'll fall soon. They'll do this. They'll do that." That's fine. Everyone can have their opinions. No problem. We have had experience of being in the top half of the division. Uh, the first time, first time at at, at uh, Berry, and then the second time at, at at Argyle, and then last year was a consolidation into the league. And this year, there's some big teams, some big budgets, but. We can't be frightened of all them. What we've got to do is we've just got to worry about what we do, how we go about our business. And at the moment, it's paying off. Yeah, apologies from me, Ryan, for um, for tipping you to uh, to struggle this season. I got that one totally wrong. Um, but the the defence, you talked about recruitment. Obviously, the, the back three that you had uh, last time out, Dan Scar, Brendan Galloway, James Wilson, all summer signings. Have you had to work really hard to build that that new unit? Because we all know that... that Successful defences, you know, need a bit of chemistry, but these have been chucked together for a new club and performed great. I mean, you're averaging obviously less than a goal a game conceded. Great work, I'd imagine, on the on the training ground. Yeah, that, that's part and parcel for Asian, to be honest with you. And look, as I said before, I don't mind people, you know, say tip people for doing different things and that, that's no problem. It's an opinions. Um, but what we done was we, we recruited what we needed. So Dan Scar was the best in League Two of first contacts in both boxes which helps us, strengthened us. James Wilson, one of the fastest and was a player of the Town last year who was who was player of the year. 
Uh, Brendan Galloway's got obviously Premiership experience and Championship experience, yet we had to get him fully fit and manage his games. Macaulay Gillespie, the other left side at centre back, and, and James Bolton. There's another fast right side at centre back who's injured at the moment, but we've got that group and then five lads. And I, and I must say, Brendan and, M- and Macaulay have been battling it all season for the left side at centre back position, but they're like best mates. <laughs> you know, and, and that's what we've built. We've built that. You know, everyone backs each other, works with each other. But the, the patterns and, and the philosophy has not really changed it, Adrian. We've had to work with the lads of how we want it. Yeah, we've obviously come up against some good teams who've put balls in the box and long balls and played down the sides. Yes, but that's that defending. I say the art of defending is enjoying defending, enjoying what you like doing, and that's defending because otherwise, either being a striker or a midfielder, wouldn't he? So I always say to them, enjoy it and relish it. And to be fair, you know, even Jordan Alton, who we brought in as the number four, and then Mike Cooper, who's a fantastic goalkeeper, that little unit, if you like, they've been different class and, and long may it continue. Yeah, in terms of the way you're playing, right? You, you, you went the year you, you won the one that uh, you got promoted. You were my favourite team that I come up against, and uh, obviously, I think it was a cup game that we played you really, really early yeah. in the season, and it was a really big eye opener for us coming into the league. Talk there about about how you've tightened up defensively, but have you changed much in terms of the way you approach your style and the way that you want to play? Have you found it that you needed to adapt from last year or not? Do you know what, do you know what Ross? The, the philosophy and the styles stayed the same. And I must say, and I can say, the lads who we had last year were, were okay. They were, they were okay footballers, but we've got better footballers this year. So, you know yourself, mate, when you're on the grass with them and you're coaching them and, and you're telling them what to do, the sessions don't take an hour and 45 minutes anymore. They take an hour and 10 minutes because they're a lot easier. And the players that you're coaching, you know, have been there. You tell Jordan Alton one thing, he listens and does it because he's come through the Chelsea ranks, you know, and, and that's not just him, but that's all the footballers. Um, you know, we've had to put a bit of work into into the eights and, and how we want them to adapt and the rotation because sometimes when you come up against teams, everyone does their own work on you, don't they? And what you have to do is you have to know that, okay, the locking on man for man, however that is, can we have a rotation? Can we run someone off? Can we get the wing-backs in position? So it's been quite enjoyable this year that the patterns and the style and, and everything we've been working on and the phases of play is has been great. And what, what, what we get enjoyment out of, Ross, is... When we score a goal from a pattern we've worked on, it's like brilliant. You know, we scored a goal against the um, Burton a few weeks ago. They bring everyone up for corners and round the edge of the box, and we said we catch it, we're off, and we counted them up to the other end of the score. And like, yeah. you think, wow, you know, you know yourself as a coach and manager, them things that come off are perfect for us. So with, with the group we've got now, they're easily coached and they understand the football philosophy of of, of me and Plymouth Argyle and my staff of what we want. So. Yeah, at some times, at some games, you've gone, oh, we, like Saturday against Morgan, with all due respect, we weren't quite at it second half. And maybe that was a bit of credit to them or pitch was small and we couldn't expand. And So sometimes it's not always going to be pretty, but we stick to the same principles all the time and the same style and tweak with tactical tweaks of how we want to do things, you know. Ipswich coming up this weekend, uh, they've got a bit of momentum all of a sudden, haven't they? And look particularly good away from home. So that's going to be a tricky one, you'd imagine. Yeah, they're all sicky. Honestly, they're all sicky, Matt. We, we have to we have to respect every team we play, every club we play, because anyone can beat anyone in the division. Yeah, Ipswich have, have got on a bit of good form, which which was only a matter of time. When, let's have it right. They've got some fantastic players, and Paul Cook, friend of mine, knows what he's doing. He's been there, seen it, and done it. 
but it's one we're relishing. I think you know we're, we're not far off selling out for Saturday, which is a massive occasion for Plymouth Argyle, and you know they'll travel in the numbers, and it, it's going to be a good footballing game that they'll be looking forward to it, and so will we. It's a big old club, you know. When, once you boys are flying as you are now, you can get you can get some great backing down there. Um, you know, difficult place to play. I just wanted to ask, in terms of like off the pitch, it's a long way from home for you, isn't it? Living in yeah. Plymouth, and 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 I think over the years, uh, uh, quite a few players have probably turned their nose up at, at moving down there just because it's so so far detached. I mean, how are you finding life life as a Devonian? Um, yeah, well, when I go home, my little girls always give me a bit of stick saying, Dad, you've lost your accents and stuff like that. <laughs> but I'm trying to just, you know, slow it down a little touch, as you can imagine. But do you know what, Adrian? I think since the minute we come down here, we've been welcomed with open arms. It's a fantastic place. At times it is tough when me, me, me kids are not with me and me missus, but it's work, isn't it? It's part and parcel of your job. I get home every weekend, so win, lose or draw, I'm back up north to Liverpool. And, and, and hopefully when we haven't got a game on it, on a, on a midweek, I have Monday off as well, and the lads take the recovery group. Or if you know we've had a run of games, the lads will have a day off extra. Uh, and yeah, you know it, it, it's ideal for me in a situation where I'm working, and you know I don't have to go home and sort of entertain the kids and my missus don't have to take them. I can just go home, switch off, get back to work, and you know Ross will tell you it's long hours, but but good hours, and you know I think. More importantly for me, they're, they're my biggest fans and my biggest, you know, back me all the time and always there for me. And as I said, mate, yeah, it is far away, but it's football, isn't it? You know, at some stage in life, you're going to have to go and travel and work away. Well, that leads me on to our final question. We always like to save the most serious, difficult question till last. <laughs> um, so I imagine you, you do an awful lot of commuting at pretty long drives. What's your What's your key tip? For a long journey, you like a little box of travel suites in the glove box kind of guy. Make sure you got a few podcasts lined up. What's the best way yeah. to get through those long hours? Well, I must say, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know much about your podcast until I, I, I thought this. They asked, you asked me to do it, and I thought, right, let me do a bit of on work uh, and say, yeah, they didn't give me a bit of stick. So I thought, I'll get on that. Yeah, definitely. But <laughs> I do listen to podcasts, and I've, I've obviously I'll follow yours now. I, I've um, look at a few others but again when you're traveling it's just a case of you do a lot of phone calls and I don't travel all the time believe it or not because every away game I go on the coach and then I'll either fly back or train back or jump in with one of the lads or one of the staff who's coming back so I don't drive all the time there and back because obviously it is long but in terms of on my way back or on my way down whatever it may be yeah, there's a bit of podcast bit of phone calls Speaking to ex-players who have played with managers, even some tips. You, you, you're constantly mat working because you think, you know what? Let me ring him. Let's see what he said about this or said about that. And by the time you've made three or four or five calls, you, you're nearly home. <laughs> oh, well, look, we appreciate your time so much today, Ryan. Uh, best of luck this weekend and for the rest of the season. I promise we'll only say nice things about Plymouth. <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> no, I appreciate it, lads. Thanks very much for having us on. Yeah. Ryan Lowe, Plymouth manager there. Uh, they face Ipswich at the weekend. Ross, I'm, I'm looking at this fixture and, and trying to pick a favourite for it because Plymouth, excellent all round and, and Ipswich in really good form away from home. Does that mean it's going to be a draw? Most probably. Most probably. Um, and I think, I suppose, if you're looking at it from, from both teams' perspective, they'll be going into it looking to win the game because you know, of the form that they're both in and, and the, you know, how they're both performing at the moment. But at the same time, they might be content with that. Uh, they probably wouldn't tell you themselves. But I think that either team probably wouldn't be too disappointed were they to come away from this game with a point. But two, two really, really good games. Two, uh, certainly a game I'm going to be keeping my eye on at the weekend. 
with the uh, I, I've I've always I've mentioned it on here a few times. I've got a lot of respect for Ryan and the way his team played and learned a lot about the way they went about winning League Two. So I'm delighted to see them doing so well. But then when I look at Ipswich, you want to see a big club sort of kick into gear, which they've started to do. And I've obviously got a huge soft spot for for Macaulay Bond. So it's nice to see him in the goals and, and, and performing at that level after the step up that he made once he left he left us at Leighton Orient. So, uh, like I say, something I'm going to watch very, very closely. But I think potentially, you're right, Matt, that could be one that could be a draw at the weekend. Hey, Adrian, after the uh, the chat we've just had with Ryan, a day to tip Ipswich. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. It came prepped, didn't he? Someone had warned him. Yeah, it was, it was uh, yeah, interesting. Um, not living that one down, am I? Um, look, I think it'd be a cracking game. Yeah, it's, it's hard to find fault with what Plymouth are doing. They've only lost once this season. You know, great at the back, strong going forward. We didn't even talk about Ryan Hardy or Luke, Luke Jeffcott in the interview um, so no it's going to be a cracking game all I'll say about Ipswich is that the, their team has settled down now obviously Bond has been great but it's kind of a Luco Chaplin and Edwards behind him the last few games with Evans and Morsi the midfield the fullbacks Danassian and Penny seem to play every week now it's starting to take shape um, it's harsh on some of the players that were brought in Piggott Burns Fraser Harper Selina are all kind of backups but what an array of backups they are. So um, it was it was always a case of he had to juggle, work out what his best team was. And I think, I think he's much, much closer to knowing his best team now than he was uh, six weeks ago. Fascinating game in prospect, that. Uh, listener, by the way, you haven't got a migraine. There's, uh, there's some builders in at Clark Towers adding another wing on. Uh, so that might be what you can hear. Uh, from one manager who's in headlines for positive reasons in Ryan Lowe, we go to one who, who can never say the same thing, really. Uh, Joey Barton, after last weekend's defeat to Newport, he said, someone gets in for a game, does well, but then has a holocaust, a nightmare, an absolute disaster. Uh, the comment understandably sparked outrage. Bristol councillor and member of the Jewish Labour Party, Fabian Breckles, uh, called the comments appalling. As we record, Joey's just finished a press conference where he was asked about it. Uh, it's a sort of classic non-apology. Uh, if anybody was offended by that, I'd like to apologise for that. He says that the FA got in touch with him to remind him of his responsibilities. For me, it was a poor analogy to use in the context of the modern day world we live in and it won't happen again. I'm all for forgiveness, Adrian, and second chances, but there are second chances, there are third chances, there are fourth chances, and then there are whatever Joey's on. Um, let's not forget, this is a, a man who goes on trial in December after being charged with assaulting his partner. He denies that charge. It, it gets more and more difficult to, to justify employing him, doesn't it? it he's skating on thin ice. Happen. I mean, it could have been the one that tipped him over the edge because I, I wouldn't imagine Bristol Rovers are overly happy with how the team are performing, um, been wildly inconsistent, haven't obviously spent a lot of money on, on Barton recruits in the summer and it hasn't really paid dividends yet. You know, they've, they've, they've kind of continued to regress. So he's got to be close to the to, to, to being relieved of his duties. And I wondered whether this might be the, the excuse that, that Bristol Rovers needed, but but clearly not. And look, it's good that he apologised. Let's just say that. He's recognised uh, finally that, that that is a, an expression that you really, really can't be using. And um, and we move on. But but yeah, in a football context as well, I think I think that he's yeah, he's he's in a spot of bother as well, isn't he? Uh, yeah, comparing the deaths of over a million people to something that happened in a League Two football match is, um, is obviously ridiculous. I, I just wonder though, Ross, when you were 
when you were in the same division that Joey's in now, did you get any media training either from Orient, from the PFA, anything like that? Or are you literally just thrown out there 10 minutes after full time, go and say what you like, try not to put your foot in it? Yeah, exactly that, Matt, to be honest. I think what I would say is you'll probably rely on how good, keen, uh, how in-depth your media person probably is at a club. Probably Bristol Rovers is a bit different, but certainly at Leighton Orient, the, 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 the media guys that, that I worked with there, it would be very dependent on their experiences that, that they'd had along the way and the guidance that they could give you. Um, I was always advised to be honest and try to be... Um, as as straight as you can be, but if you have those tendencies to upset people and insult people, then then the level of honesty has to get you have to toe the line somewhere, don't you? I think it's um, it's it's always tough. It's always difficult to stand in front of the cameras or to, or you know, to be interviewed when you're emotional and when things are not going in your going your way. But we all have a responsibility, as you touched on. It's this is outside of football. It's got nothing to do with football. If your personal opinions and and the phrases are going to uh, going to upset people. Then you then you you have to watch what you say. So we can blame emotion. We can talk about pressure, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but uh, we have to have an awareness of ourselves and the audience that are going to be listening. Especially when you're under pressure, because people will be looking for another thing to find. And if you're handing it over to them, it doesn't make your life much easier, does it? Nope. Spot on. Uh, right. We'll get to talking about stuff that will happen on the pitch this weekend, starting with the championship next. So, Mr. Klopp, what's been troubling you? Well, it's a very important time of the year, and I'm worried we're not going to be able to get the most out of it. Yeah, there's a lot of big games coming up. Games? No, I'm talking about Oktoberfest. Sauerkraut, Steins, Lederhosen. The one time Germany comes to England, yeah. (laughs) Sometimes it can seem like they don't know what they're doing. But with Paddy Power, you always know you're getting Das Beste rewards. Like money back as a free bet if one leg of your bet builder lets you down. Paddy Power. Pre-match bet builder bets only, min odds 1 to 5, per leg, min 4 plus legs, max free bet £10 per day, excludes enhanced match odds, online exclusive T's and C's apply, 18 plus becomeaware.org. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The weekend gets underway with the Parking MDA derby at the Kyan Prince Foundation Stadium on Friday night, QPR hosting Forest. Uh, I wrote yesterday Forest might fancy their chances after Rangers' midweek exertions, but then I was forgetting that Forest got beaten 4 0 last week. So let's move on swiftly to Saturday lunchtime, second versus third at Craven Cottage. Fulham welcome West Bromwich Albion. Hey, there's a Friday night championship game and West Bromwich Albion aren't playing in it, which um, seems surprising to me. Only a point between the teams ahead of kickoff. Uh, Ross, Fulham-wise, won their last three at home, scored nine, conceded just twice since that surprise defeat against Fulham. We spoke, we speak a lot about their attack, but that says to me that their defence is doing something right as well. Very much so. I think um, Ryan was talking earlier, wasn't he, about how important it is to be solid and difficult to score against and, 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 and tough defensively. Um, and it's been something that, that they've certainly added to, to the way that they are and, and the way that they're performing of late. I think when you have such a, I suppose, riches or, or you're blessed with so many attacking players, it, or, you know, attacking players with quality, you can become reliant on that. That can become your thing. 
but once you can, you know, uh, acknowledge, sounds like people don't do that enough, but once you have that real recognition of your identity and how defensively well you can set up, it gives those talented players that I just mentioned there the real opportunity to go and create and do the things with that little bit more freedom to, to win you games of football. All good at the minute, but what happens if Mitrovic gets injured? He's got 15 goals this season. Next guy, highest scorers have got three. Yeah, I, I, that's a that's a massive one. I look at it's really interesting, isn't it, with Mitrovic? Because um, under Scott Parker, he, he he was obviously he's obviously never come away from being such a, a top player and a good goal scorer. But I feel as though the team now is based around Mitrovic putting the ball in the back of the net. The stats would suggest that, of course. But I think as a team now, it's about how they get the ball into the box for him to to be the. The, the, the focus and the pivotal person to, to finish those chances. Whereas under Scott, they were, they were I don't want to take anything away from anyone by saying they were a bit more of a, a team and the way that they pressed didn't always include Mitrovic. So I think now that, that the way that they set up and, and they create those attacks, the team is very much focused around him, which is obviously something that suits him. But yeah, it would be a concern that were he to come out of the team, what, where it would leave him. But, but for now, I think you'd be enjoying having him, wouldn't you? Absolutely. Uh, Adrian, West Brom have got a, an informed striker of their own in, in Carl and Grant. Five goals in the last six. But but the Baggies generally, on the roads, wobbled a little bit lately. Lost their last two against Stoke and Swansea. I mean, they're, they're a fairly defensive outfit anyway under under Ismail. Does that suggest that they'll go to West London and, and look to, to shut up shop and just try and stem that run of losses? Well, they'll just want to turn it into a, a battle, won't they? An ugly game because if it's, you know, most West Bromwich Albion matches this season have have taken a familiar pattern, haven't they? It's it's all about sort of, you know, pressing feverishly, you know, get, playing percentage football, getting it into the final third. And then from the restarts, the throw-ins, the free kicks, the, the corners, they're, they're, they're unbelievably dangerous. So they'll, they'll try and make it a scrappy game. I'm sure of that. Um, Toysin was fantastic for Fulham, I thought, against Nottingham Forest. He'll be a key player for Fulham in terms of handling those long throws at the near at the near stick, so we'll see how he gets on. Um, I just think there's a there's two vulnerabilities with West Brom. It's one very well documented. They don't really have that plan B. I think they've got the players that can play a different type of game, but they really don't choose to. It's you know barely stringing passes together. And the other weakness is that high line. And I feel that obviously with Mitrovic the the main striker, the threat doesn't come from him in this game. But I tell you where it will come from, and that is when. Fulham go long. So they'll go long from back to front up to Mitrovic and then the runners. The runners will, will look for the flick-ons from Mitrovic. I'm talking about De Cordova-Reed, Cabano making angled runs from the, from the wing. The same with Harry Wilson, who is really sharp at the city ground. If they can go beyond Mitrovic in this game, they'll get in. Johnson in goal plays like a centre-half. He's standing on the edge of his box, ready to come out, but he won't always get there. We have seen him make some mistakes. If the pass is right, they will get caught out, as they did against Swansea recently. So for me, Fulham, you might see Fulham go a bit more direct themselves in this game, A, because of that, but also because they don't want to be pressed. So I think we'll see less fo- less football from Fulham, but maybe some real incisiveness. Uh, West Brom's last away win to Fulham came in a League Cup tie all the way back in 2005. Uh, if you like Fulham basketball and corners, by the way, let me tell you about Peter Rutzler's piece on The Athletic. It's about Fulham and their NBA-style corners. You can read it on The Athletic and you, dear listener, can get a third off the price of a subscription by going to theathletic.com slash league show. 
Uh, now then, have you heard the one about Bristol City's home form? It's worse than a Carabao Cup offside decision. Uh, the Robins' winless run at Ashton Gate currently stands at 17 games, during which time they've been beaten 12 times. They've let in four stoppage time goals this season, costing them three wins. Uh, on Saturday, the Robins host a Barnsley side, only kept off the bottom of the table by virtue of Derby's points deduction. Ross, if they can't win this one, they're never going to win at home. No. Um, I think you're right. What, what will be coming the other way, though, is in, with an incredible focus and belief that you can go there and win again, and they and, and they don't pick that up. So, what is extremely tough, and I, and I don't begin to even think about how tough it must be to try to turn around psychologically what what this run of of results has done to them. But when you talk about those late goals and those moments, it it, it, it almost be, can become a bit of a feeling where you forget how to achieve the win. I know simply from from being at Orient in the first season in the National League, we, we went 15, 16 games without a win. And it starts to creep towards how do we actually get over the line? And you become over-analytical. You become searchy in terms of trying to... Um, trying to find the result. You know, people say, oh, just grind it out. But when the latter stages come up and the ball goes up and there's five or six minutes remaining, it's like you almost becomes inevitable that, that a goal's going to go in against you and you're going to miss out on a point or points. So um, they will be feeling incredibly vulnerable. All the different angles that people will be trying will lead towards that uncertainty So it's, that it's going to take. So they will be going into it with all the cliches possible, I'm sure, of... Great opportunity to turn it round, spring ball, blah blah blah, to try to uh, to create a win at home. But uh, I don't think it's going to be without incident or concern this weekend. Interesting stuff going on behind the scenes this this week at Bristol City as well. Keith Downing, first team coach, has left his role. Uh, the club say they're not looking to replace him or Paul Simpson. So Paul Simpson was also on the coaching staff. He left. Contrasting views on his exit. City chief exec Richard Gould said. Paul's been a great support during his time with us. We're very thankful for all he's done for the club. Uh, One suspects Nigel Pearson feels differently. He commented, as I've already pointed out, it was Paul's decision to settle with the club. I don't want players at the club if they don't want to be here. And likewise, the staff. It's very straightforward in my head. Ouch. So he might be under pressure. Barnsley, Marcus Shop, he might be under pressure as well, Adrian. Only Cardiff on on a worse run than them. They've lost six on the spin. Just one win all season. If they get beaten here, they've got to start thinking about a change in the dugout as well, no? Yeah, it's really not looking good for Barnsley, Matt. No wins in 12, just the one win this season. And in their eight losses, they failed to score in six of them, which obviously tells its own story. And I don't think it's been a case of hard luck. They've got the worst XG in open play record, just 8.1 across the game so far. So, you know, they're expected to score way below one goal per game in open play, it's, it's poor. They are still the best pressing team in the division. PPDA, passes per defensive action, um, is the best gauge for that. They lead it. They're second only to West Brom for high turnovers. So that aspect of their game's okay. It's everything else. And I think they just lack a bit of the quality and the power that they had last season. And what's not helping Marcus Shop is the, is the players. They're, they don't seem with him, and nor do the fans. The fans did boo in the game against Sheffield United. And a couple of the, ta- a couple of the comments from players after the game didn't go down well. Uh, Devontae Cole said, yeah, it was down to the players on the pitch pulling together to change things to, to sort of come back in that game against Sheffield United. 
And Callum Britton previously had said that they don't work on attacking plans very much in training, which is, if if that isn't throwing the gaffer under the bus, I'm not sure what it, what is. So, um, so yeah, it, you feel like the end could be close for Marcus Shop, especially if they lose this this game against a team that that never win at home. El Sakiko at Ashton Gate on Saturday potentially. Barnsley did win there back in February. That was game three of the losing streak. Uh, right, we haven't had any luck really with our Akers this season, but it's not going to stop us from trying. We'll build one on the weekend's action with the help of our friends from Paddy Power. Ross, you've got first pick. Who have you gone for? I'm going to go for Bournemouth to beat Reading. The form that they're in, the start well, continues from, uh, from from obviously an excellent start to the season since Scott Parker's gone in there. So I think even though they're away from home, I fancy them to beat Reading. Eight o'clock on a Saturday night, that one. What a horrible kickoff time. Abby, you've also gone for a, a championship pick. Give us yours and the prices on Rosses, please. Yeah, I'm maybe going a bit risky for my liking, but Cardiff is still rubbish, right? So I'm <laughs> backing Stoke to beat them at home. Uh, that particular uh, bet is 10 to 11 for Stoke to win. Cardiff are 3 to 1 and the draw is 23 to 10. As for the 8 o'clock kickoff, Reading are not the favourites, unsurprisingly. It's Bournemouth here. Still yet to lose a match. Uh, they're 3 to 4. Reading 15 to 4 and the draw is 12 to 5. That means our double is coming in at a fancy little 2.34 to 1. Easy as 1, 2, 3, 4. <laughs> Thanks, Abby. League 1 next. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Because you're a listener of the Totally Football League show, you can get a third off an Athletic subscription right now. All you need to do is head to theathletic.com forward slash league show. In League One, Wigan missed the chance to go top of the division after they were beaten 2-1 at home by Lincoln on Tuesday. Wigan's last three home games all played midweek. They've lost all three 2-1. Odd. Uh, Lincoln up to 12th as a result of that result. Elsewhere, Ethan Galbraith's equaliser gave struggling Doncaster a point at home to Cambridge. Uh, lots of crunch games in League One this season, but Portsmouth versus Bolton Wanderers is one that immediately catches the eye. Pompey start the weekend just three points above the bottom three, whilst Wanderers have failed to win any of their last four, losing three of those. I'm like the Grim Reaper for managers today, Clarky, but I've written more managerial reckoning here. Uh, decent point at Accrington for Pompey last week, but, but this the first home game since Danny Cowley said he was ashamed after the 4-0 gubbing by Ipswich. Yeah, he's yeah he's in a precarious position, I think, Danny Cowley. But he has had a lot of injuries to the defensive players, and I think that he's come nowhere near playing his best unit for a long, long time. And that's what he'll be he'll be sort of using as an excuse. But the stats aren't good. 
Over the last 10 games, they're the worst team in League One. 20 goals leaked in 10 games, only six points collected. Um, and, and when they lose, they tend to lose multiple goals. Um, they've conceded at least twice in seven of their last eight games. I mean, to concede at least two, ga- two goals in almost every game in the last eight is a worry. Um, luckily, they've got the likes of Ronan Curtis, Marcus Harness and John Marquis up front, who I think will always be worth a few goals at, at this level. I think what they'll say ahead of this one is that great, great stuff at Accrington. It was a 2-2 draw. It's, it's a hard game, but that's building blocks towards a recovery, I would imagine. Um, and he went to a back four for that match because he had, I think, one of his first choice centre-backs available again. And that, that will be the, the shape moving forward. So I think they'll go back to 4-2-3-1. And um, yeah, look, Bolton are in a bad place. So there is a chance here for Portsmouth to, to bounce back, I think. Bolton needed those two late goals to, to get a draw against Gillingham last week, Ross. This dip in form that they're having, is this just a natural consequence of what happens to a team when you move up a division? It's very rare that you just fly the way through the season at, at a higher level. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think what Bolton are always going to have that works against them is status and where they've fallen from before it's starting their return. And there's going to be expectation. It doesn't matter what anyone says. If you go into a new division, the club, the fans will all start the season, I'm sure, by saying, oh, you know, it's about consolidation. It's about building towards a, a longer term target. But as soon as you make a few signings, people remember that they're Bolton Wanderers in League One and they will have higher expectations of, of everything, exactly the same way that we are when we discuss them. So I think that makes it always a very, very difficult experience for anybody. I think what would be a concern. For, for anyone connected to Bolton at the moment, he's, I mean, both teams, Portsmouth and Bolton, both on minus three goal difference at the moment, which is not going to be something that either manager or either team is, um, is particularly delighted about. They're not too far off the playoffs in terms, uh, sorry, very similar uh, distance from the playoffs as they are the bottom four themselves. So it does leave them in a very difficult, uh, in different scenario. I think well, the other thing was worth considering is what's happened this week. Although, um, they ground that, that result out at the weekend. The loss of Sarsovic makes you wonder what's what quite has happened there. I mean, club captain or, or captain of the team um, and at the click of the fingers, he's not only gone, but gone from Bolton Wanderers to Stockport County. So, you know, however many riches Stockport potentially have, I know that Sarsovic is from that way. It's a very big thing for your club captain to be leaving. Now, I suppose some will look at it and say, if he was causing unrest, will it? settle the squad down. The flip side of that is he's losing your club captain and a player who's as big as Sarsovic going to cause even more of a dent in, in an already indifferent season. So I haven't got the answers, pose more questions than answers there, I suppose. But it does add to that, that indifference, I suppose, that's gone on so far this season for Bolton. Yeah, I definitely feel there's more to come out on that one. Uh, only the third time these two will have met in the last 11 years, which doesn't mean much, but surprised me slightly. Uh, elsewhere, fifth versus fourth as Rotherham hosts Sunderland in New York. Well, at the, at the New York Stadium, uh, at least. Current form dictates that Rotherham should win this. Unbeaten in nine, last loss was way back on the 11th of September. They smashed Man City's kids in the... I nearly called it the Johnston's Paint Trophy. How disrespectful of me. In the Papa John's Trophy uh, this week. <laughs> what do you make of them, Adrian Rotherham? We, we always seem to be saying, yeah, yeah, they'll be there or thereabouts, but but they don't get as many props as some of the other teams in League One? They probably don't. But no, they're very good. Very good side. I mean, 
They're hard to score against. Eight clean sheets in 14 matches. That's that's automatic promotion standard, isn't it? Um, absolutely outstanding. And and when you've got one of the best centre forwards on form in the division, leading the line, and and they have in Michael Smith, it means you can win tight games, doesn't it? And it gives you such a such a leg up. So. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm liking the work that Rotherham are doing. Um, a bit of a dog of a game, I think, the, the last home one against Wickham. Um, maybe predictably, um, yeah, two sort of bruising teams. Um, Rotherham won't win any awards for prettiness. We know that, you know, they're direct. They work so hard. Really real grafters, aren't they? We want to play against Rotherham. And <clears throat> I talked about Barnsley being a great pressing team. So are Rotherham. And Sunderland definitely will want to play out from the back in this game. So it'll be interesting to see how they do that and whether Lee Johnson just tweaks the way that they uh, begin their attacks from from the back because Rotherham will be in their faces. So, um, yeah, lots to like about about the Millers. Um, Yeah, good balance to their team, good depth. I think they're not going anywhere. They'll be very much there or thereabouts. And look, if they can swat aside Sunderland, then, then people will have to start talking about them, won't they? Yeah, Sunderland looking to, to recover quickly from that surprise defeat at home to Charlton last weekend. I just wonder, Ross, from a, from a manager's point of view, is this a, a massive advantage for Paul Warren that he didn't have a midweek game, not only because of the fatigue in the legs or whatever, but just purely in terms of the, the, the preparation? It's got to be a, a bit of a problem for Lee Johnson that this game comes around and, and he's had one eye on QPR for half the week. Yeah, and, and a big it would have been a bit big eye on QPR, wouldn't it? Um, in terms of what that game meant to everybody, so and and obviously um, in the manner and the way that it ended as well, that will will certainly impact how it comes up at the weekend. And bearing in mind some of the points that Adrian just made there about Rotherham, the relentless, the intensity, the way that they work. Uh, Paul Wong never makes any secret about how hard he encourages his teams to to work and the energy and that, that that they put into games. So I think it will incredibly uh, it will impact this weekend's game incredibly um, I'm sure there'll be some changes whether it be tactically again as Adrian just mentioned or to freshen up some legs from a Sunderland perspective I think it will be a very interesting outcome as to where it leads for for Rotherham if they can win and leapfrog leapfrog Sunderland in the league table not that that causes anything major right now but it's, it is a very big um, big statement to make if they can can, can pick up or, or, or gather a result against them so I think it will be again as Adrian touched upon it's a bit of a tactical masterclass if I'm honest the, 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 the last phrases that he put together for Rotherham but I think it will have a real impact on intensity for, for Sunderland how they cope with the way that Rotherham go about the game at the level of intensity that they play at, um, and then how Sunderland can manipulate. I think that would be the biggest way. We won't go out there to try to completely change the way that they play from the back or if or when they play from the back, but the manner in which they can manipulate it and pick and choose the times that they do because not only do Reverend press really, really well, they're uh, they're relentless in the way that they work across the rest of the pitch. So uh, another, another interesting encounter, I think, coming up at the weekend. I'll tell you what, on Friday, when they do their training drills, they'll just walk through set pieces, won't they, for about an hour? <laughs> because I think you have to. Like, Obviously, they, they want to conserve energy as well, Sunderland. But I just feel that you're going to have to spend quite a long time prepping to face Rotherham's corners and wide free kicks. They've only scored 10. 
so far this season. <laughs> 10 set-piece goals, um, quite remarkable. It's the most in the division. You know, Dan Barlasser, good deliveries. And, and Smith's not the only big one that they've got to aim for. So um, that, that could play a part in the outcome of the game too. Adrian, just on that, I think it's really important because it's a really major thing that you've mentioned there about how that looks for the for a Thursday and a Friday once they come back into training. And I think now with the beauty of, um, and Lee, I know Lee Johnson's quite big on this anyway, but analysis and video work, that would be, that'd be something that actually looking at their set pieces may actually work in Sunderland's favour in terms of not going out and being on the grass for an hour and slinging a load of balls in the box. They'll spend a lot of time breaking it down and trying to look at that in 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 depth from a from a you know, coach's and a manager's perspective. But how they portray that to the players may actually aid them in their recovery off off the back of a midweek fixture. So it'd be it'd be interesting to see how they uh, how they go up against that. A little bit of news from Sunderland. Their under 23s coach Elliot Dickman has left Sunderland to go to Newcastle as their lead development coach. I'm sure he's had a difficult life anyway with that surname, but he's not making it any easier going from Sunderland uh, (laughs) to Newcastle. I mean, my pick comes from League One for the Acker. Uh, We've spoken to Ryan Lowe. I'm going to say that his team will score, but that Ipswich will as well. And you would be in Paddy's favour. They are that's three to four for both teams uh, to score in that game. Uh, Plymouth are the slight favourites, eleven to eight with Ipswich, nineteen to ten draw, nine to four. Good stuff. Right, we'll head to League Two next. This is the Totally Football League show from the Athletic. Keep up to date with everything Totally by following us at the Totally Show on Twitter. One match took place in midweek. Sutton beat Colchester 3-1 to move into the playoffs. They are one of five teams on 23 points in the table. But it's been far too long since we checked in with John Yem, so let's rectify that in some fashion at least by previewing Crawley versus Port Vale. Oh, it's not going great for the Carvery King. Check out our interview with John in the archives, by the way, if that reference went over your head. Three defeats on the spin, only one win in five. And I noted, Ross that he's taking part in a fans forum tonight as we record. That's Thursday. If you were manager of a team losing games, how much would you be trying to get out of that particular commitment? (laughs) Uh, I've been there and done it. I've got to be honest, Matt. I'll tell you what you find with some of those things, though, is there will be some um, tough questions thrown at him. But a lot of the uh, online criticism, a lot of the distant criticism doesn't actually find their way into into these forums. I suppose it would depend how John is doing that, if he's doing it to face... You find that not too many of the uh, people that like to criticise tend to turn up to those ones. But if it's distant and people can hide behind an email or a, or a tweet, then I, I don't envy him in any way, shape or form. Um, but if it is to face and live and people are allowed in, I might just make my way up there this evening because I'm sure it'll be entertaining. I think it's a tough one. I, I listening, actually listened to him in, in the week off the back of the... His, his, his previous games and he and he's he's been very very scathing very very critical he's, he he can be and obviously he can be very direct and, and I listened to the interview that he done with yourselves and um, but John is always honest and straight to the point but I really noticed especially at the weekend how critical he was of the team the worst that they've played um, that they got slapped around a little bit I think was one of the phrases that he used um, he talked about getting bashed up that they were going to be in on Sunday to correct it. You know, all the old football solutions that people search for when things haven't gone particularly well. But 
that makes you worry. Like I say, he can be critical and honest about his players, but you can be concerned off the back of that because uh, he was very, very um, critical of their ability to compete as well as anything else in terms of the qualities within the game. So as direct as ever, always an enjoyable listen. But it does make a very, very conservative. It's only one win in six as well for Crawley. So uh, it's, it's, it's a very poor run of form. He's definitely got to keep Kwesi Apaya on side. He scored each of their last four goals. Uh, no such worries for, for Daryl Clark and Port Vale, though, Adrian. Second in the table, only lost twice all season. Who stood out for them in recent weeks? What have you made of them as a team? It's going really well, isn't it? They're scoring tons of goals. That's what stands out with, with Port Vale. Three have been scored in four of their last five games which is fantastic. Um, Jamie Proctor has been out the last couple of games. He's been excellent this season, but the guys around him have sort of stepped up. Dennis Politic. I remember going on the Quest show with Phil Parkinson and he was telling me about Politic, saying he's a real talented young player. And for one reason or another, he's, it's not sort of kicked on for him, but, but I think he's someone that can, can maybe influence games. I know that he was excellent in their last home match, Politic. Uh, James Wilson has, has chipped in with some goals up front as well. So look, it's yeah, it's going swimmingly for them. They are the best team in League Two across the last 10 games. Um, one seven, drawn one, lost two, scored 22 goals in that time spell. So, um, so no, it's, it's going great. Real fast starters, so Crawley will need to be on it. They've scored first in 10 of 14, Port Vale, which is just fantastic. Puts them in such a great, great position. And it's just a matter now, I think, of, of him deciding on a system. Looks like three at the back is the way he wants to go, but he's sort of rotating between 3-5-2 and 3-4-3. Three, three. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But, but Port Vale is going very nicely indeed. And they'll, look, they'll fancy their chances, but Crawley, Crawley is a place where you can get a rude awakening. If you turn up there with being too big for your boots, you, you, can, you can come unstuck. So let's see. Uh, why are you there, Clarkie? Can you round off the echo for us, please? Yes, um, I am going to back Newport to beat Stevenage. They, Stevenage have failed to score, I think, in, in six of their last eight games. They just, yeah, you can't bank on them finding the back of the net. And Newport under the new manager, even though they've not been brilliant at Rodney Parade this season, Newport, I think they're a much better side than, than Stevenage. And, and yeah, I think under, under James Robry, they, they're going to... Climb the table, and I think they might might claim three, three points against Stevenage. Abby, what are the odds on that, please? Paddy also think that Newport will claim the three points. They are nineteen to twenty to beat Stevenage. Uh, Stevenage themselves are fourteen to five with the draw more likely at eleven to five. All that together puts our ACA in at a nice ten point four to one, which means that if you put a pound on it. You might not lose a pound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might not. You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply and when the fun stops, stop. All right, before we go, after the offside shocker at the Kyan Prince Foundation Stadium, I want to know what's the worst on-pitch decision you've ever seen. Ross, you can have a first go at this. Thank you. Um, I considered a number of different ones, but I didn't want to be too obvious with Maradona and those those crazy ones like that. And I went for a personal one and fitting that we had Ryan Lowe on there earlier. But uh, Carl Fletcher's first game as Leighton Orient manager, we went away to Plymouth. And I, I can't for the life of me think who it was, but the ball came into the box at nil-nil and the striker punched it in the top corner. 
punched it, and the whole crowd went quiet. There was no celebration. There was like that, I suppose, like a pause you'd get with VAR these days. Um, punched it, still crowd in the in the grounds at the time. Ball went in the top corner. Everyone waited. The referee gave it the only one in the stadium to uh, not see it. Or, or on that occasion, shall I go back to what I said earlier and chose not to see it? <laughs> um, and we went on to lose 4-0. So um, not a nice one to remember at all. <laughs> Clark, is yours a personal one too? Yeah, I picked out one from, from my career. Look, so many. But then I'm quite good at blanking these things out. I've never been a manager, you see. So it's easy, isn't it? Um, but like, I've, yeah, there have been so many bad decisions where you've been raging at the referee. But yeah, I can't, I can't remember them all. I just sort of park it and move on. One thing I do remember, and it was the worst refereeing decision I ever got away with. That's what I'm going to give you today. A penalty in a National League game it would have been for, for Margate when I sort of came towards the end of my career and I slipped over and I absolutely blatantly double hit it it might have even been a treble hit I don't even know if that's possible but it's the most obvious double hit you've ever seen the ball spun spun into the corner keeper dives the wrong way and I just couldn't believe that I sort of got up thinking ah oh, that was a bit embarrassing and uh Goal was given. So, yeah, sheepish <laughs> celebration and we move on. So, uh, yeah, I think the, the other team were, weren't, weren't best pleased, but there you go. <laughs> uh, well, you know what I'm going to say, listener. I say it virtually every week. Roger Milford, 1991 FA Cup final. Didn't send off Gaza, cost Boris the trophy. Dreadful stuff. Uh, right, hopefully this hasn't been dreadful stuff for you to listen to. Uh, many thanks to Ryan Lowe for joining us earlier. Also to Adrian, to Ross and to producer Abby, who's going to knock it all together. We'll be back on Monday. Do join us then if you can until then from all of us here it's goodbye you've been listening to the totally football league show part of the athletic podcast network listen ad free on the athletic app and keep up to date with everything totally by heading to at the totally show on twitter and on insta find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show the totally football league show is an athletic media company production the athletic 's you've probably heard by now we've teamed up with BetMGM this season we'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet use bonus code the athletic and you'll get a one-year subscription to the athletic plus up to a $1500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM here's how it works download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code the athletic make your first deposit of at least ten dollars Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.